we are in the second message here of the Great Reset. So this is the Great Reset Part 2. And I've entitled this message, Do Not Be Deceived. The first message was about two weeks ago, actually two weeks ago today, and it was uh, the question, what is truth? So we are in Luke chapter 21 here. We're going to start in Luke chapter 21, and then we're going to be moving around quite a bit. And again, I'm going to be able to go into much more detail, at least uh, on, on Thursday night, by bringing in other resources to share with you some of the documentation and, and some of the other resources. And I'm going to try and find a way to put some of my research out online. I have to be real careful because I don't want to be uh, viewed as a conspiracy theorist or for our church to be viewed as a conspiracy theorist church. I'm trying to give you facts that you could find for yourself and then line up the facts with what the Bible says. That's what I'm trying to do here, to teach you what the Bible says about the last days and then to show you what's really going on because I believe that we are living in the last days and I believe uh, that Jesus could come back anytime and the church really needs to awaken to that reality that if there is not some great revival uh, or some dramatic change in our country, I believe the judgment of God has already begun against America. And I don't see Americans turning to God. I see a lot of them turning to Trump and turning to the political system, which is good. It's good that we turn to politicians, at least the ones who we think are going to go in and defend our rights and stand up for us. But we have to understand uh, that if it's the judgment of God that's coming upon America because of our wickedness, our perversion, the abortions on demand, and all of the other innocent blood that we have shed in this country, it doesn't matter who we put in the White House or the State House. The judgment of God will fall. Uh, and if God is giving us over to our enemies, then we need to just be prepared for this. We need to understand things may get very, very difficult in the year ahead. And we shouldn't fear, we shouldn't worry. We just need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We need to not be ignorant and we certainly do not want to be deceived because deception is rampant in our culture today. In Luke chapter 21 and verse 7, Jesus says this, or they, his disciples ask him this question about his return and his kingdom. They asked him and said, Teacher, when will these things be, and what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? And he said, Take heed that you not be deceived, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time has drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them." And so when Jesus' disciples came to him and asked him about his coming, about his kingdom, about his return to establish his kingdom, the first thing Jesus warned them about was deception. He said, do not let anyone deceive you. Don't be deceived. There's going to be massive deception in the last days. Uh, and so what would we expect to see if we're living in the last days? We would expect to see tremendous deception uh, taking place. And that's exactly what we see. You can't even believe your own eyes anymore. You listen to the news, you listen to the media, and it doesn't make any sense at all. And yet you're told to believe things that you know are not true in a lot of cases. 
Uh, and that's a deception. That's a manipulation. Uh, Hitler figured this out early on when he hired uh, Goebbels as his propaganda minister in the early 1930s. Uh, and they just took over, all, the Nazis took over all of the means of communication in Germany. And they silenced anyone that was not following or towing the party line. Uh, and so, you know, right now we have a little bit of open access to the internet still, but I believe that as the censorship continues, a lot of the people that I follow online are being shut down. They're being shut down from YouTube, they're being shut down from Instagram, Facebook, etc. So you're having to find them on other platforms like BitChute and uh, Parler and some of these other places uh, where they're moving their videos and their information because censorship is taking place. And these are American companies that are censoring us. These are, you know, Google and Facebook. They're American companies that are censoring American citizens. And so uh, we need to uh, be able to discern. We need to find sources of truth. And we need to be able uh, to think for ourselves and not let the media do our thinking for us. And certainly not if the media is pushing fear and pushing, you know, anxiety upon us. That's not of God. Uh, we're not to be afraid. We're not to be anxious for anything. We're not to fear even what's coming upon the world uh, because Jesus is with us. He's never going to leave us nor forsake us even to the end of the age. He tells us we don't have to fear. We don't even have to fear death because we know that death is just really a graduation uh, for us to leave this fallen world and to go to the perfect world with Jesus in heaven. So again, Jesus says here about the last days, Take heed, be warned, be aware, so that you will not be deceived. For many will come, there's going to be a lot of false messiahs or false Christs in my name, he says, saying, I am he. The time has drawn near, therefore do not go after them. He continues in verse 9. But when you hear of wars and commotions or rumors of wars, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Then he said, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilences or diseases. And there will be fearful sights and great signs in the heavens. So Jesus is letting us know here are going to be the conditions of the world prior to his return to set up his kingdom. He says there's going to be massive deception. There's going to be false prophets and false messiahs, speak, people speaking falsely in the name of Christ or falsely in the name of God. He says there's going to be wars. There's going to be rumors of war. He says also there's going to be nations that are going to rise against nations. These are ethnos against ethnos or ethnic groups against ethnic groups is literally what it says in the Greek. Do we see ethnic groups rising up against other ethnic groups all over the world today? We certainly do. And then he said there'll be sovereign nations, kingdoms against kingdoms, which will be against each other. And of course, uh, you know, we have so many uh, conflicts going on and proxy wars all over the world today. He says this, he says there's going to be earthquakes in various places. Now, there are not very many news sources reporting on all of the earthquakes and the volcanoes that are erupting right now all over the world. It's happening right now all over the world. You need to go 
and follow earthquake news, follow international earthquake news. I have that saved as uh, one of the subjects on my uh, Apple News service. And so I hear about all the earthquakes uh, all over the world when they're reported. And uh, there's a tremendous amount of earthquake activity, seismic activity taking place all over the world. Uh, the uh, volcano in Hawaii just started erupting again. There was a volcano that erupted two weeks ago in Indonesia. A month ago, another huge volcano erupted in the Philippines. I mean, these volcanoes are erupting all over the world. There's seismic activity taking place up uh, by the area of Mount St. Helens. Major seismic shifts are taking place at Yellowstone uh, National Park right now. Different gases that are being emitted and different pools that are drying up and, and, and uh, temperatures rising underneath the surface. And so they know that lava is moving around. We also know that the poles are shifting. The poles from the north to the south are moving. So all of the um, iron ore and the liquid magma that spins around the, uh, in the center of the earth, the poles are shifting from the north to the south and from the south to the north. Uh, you have the uh, South Atlantic anomaly where they're watching this magnetic uh, field expand, where the magnetic field of the earth is weakening. And so they've not seen this before. There's a lot of things happening right now related to earthquakes and related to volcanoes. And this is exactly what Jesus predicted would be the case in the last days. And it's going to get, obviously, uh, much worse. He says there's going to be famines. Famine is a real problem right now all over the world. As you may recall, last spring there was tremendous locust damage to India and to East Africa. Locusts. They said they hadn't seen locusts like that in at least 75 years, in a whole generation, maybe 100 years, uh, throughout East Africa and into uh, the Middle East and, and India in those areas. And, uh, and so there's people that are going to be starving to death. 40 million people they think are going to starve to death as a result of just what the locusts did last spring. There, They just wiped out all their crops. It was like a biblical plague of locusts is what the media said. Uh, you have all of these service interruptions because of COVID. You have logistical challenges of getting food to places uh, from, the, from, from the farms you know, to uh, the, 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 the processing plants, to the shipping containers to ship the food to different parts of the world. Uh, we're having problems with getting food out because of shutdowns at the ports and shipping agents and, and, and packing plants and so forth. Uh, and so we will begin to see more of this, more famines uh, and, and food shortages as a result of what's taking place. And then, of course, Jesus predicts pestilences or diseases. And we've never seen uh, the world respond to a disease uh, like, like this, like what we've seen with uh, the coronavirus. It, it's been unprecedented, where the whole world has shut down. Matter of fact, there's no time in all of human history where the whole world has shut down at the same time for any reason. The whole world is shutting down over this, this virus all at the same time. Never happened before in human history. Not even in 1918 with the Spanish flu. The whole world didn't shut down all at the same time. Different parts of the world shut down when it was kind of like flaring up in their area. Uh, there's never been a time in church history where the church has been shut down on Easter and on Christmas. Uh, this has never happened before. And a lot of the religious leaders, even like the Pope and the leaders of the churches, are okay with shutting the churches down. Uh, that, that hasn't happened before in human history. And so we should understand this is an unusual thing that we're seeing. Uh, pestilences, Jesus said, famines. 
There are going to be fearful sights and great signs in the heavens. Again, if you study astronomy and you see what's going on with all of the alignment of the stars, and it's, it's really incredible. There's tremendous uh, uh, astronomical events taking place in the skies. I mean, we just had the Christmas star. First time in 800 years, they said, that we had the uh, Jupiter and Saturn converging and being this close to the Earth. I mean, 800 years since the last time that this happened. There are tremendous things taking place uh, in the heavens. Now, Jesus also predicts that there are going to be other, other signs of, uh, of, of, of trauma and difficulty before he comes back. Verse 12, he says, but before all these things, he talks about persecution here, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and to prisons, and you will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake, but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony in order for you to be able to witness for Christ. Therefore, Settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. He says you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head shall be lost, by your patience, possess your souls. And so Jesus speaks of a time of persecution that's going to come upon his people. Now, there have been many periods of church history where the church has been radically persecuted, terribly persecuted. And, um, and so Jesus says that's going to be an indication as you get closer to my return. There's going to be more and more persecution, not just persecution from outside, but persecution from inside, from inside the church, persecution from inside your own home. You're going to be betrayed by people who are in your own home, by your own family members, by your own parents or brothers or relatives or friends. And we see that this is already happening. You have entire families that will not even talk to each other because of politics. One supports one candidate, another supports another. One belongs to one political party, one belongs to another, and they have nothing to do with each other. There's no communication. There's no debate. There's no dialogue. There's no rational conversation or logic or reasoning. It's just completely cut off, and we've been turned against one another. In America, we've been turned against one another. We've never been more divided politically than right before the Civil War, historians tell us. That was the last time our nation was this divided politically, uh, was right before uh, the Civil War started in 1861. And so we would expect to see that there are going to be uh, families split up, that there's going to be betrayals within families that are going to be taking place. And we should understand this is part of the persecution that Jesus predicted. And it's going to come from people who are godless or people uh, who do not know the Lord. They don't have the Holy Spirit. Uh, and they are going to be used of the enemy, really, to persecute the people that are trying to live for the Lord in these last days and not just go along with what the government is saying to do. You know, think for ourselves instead of letting the government think for us. And, and Jesus basically says we don't have to be afraid of it. Uh, he's going to give us an opportunity to witness. And I think that it's probably uh, a good thing. It's kind of like God is, is, is kind of 
you know, separating the wheat from the chaff. He's sort of separating the tares from the wheat. God knows who the sheep are and who the goats are. We don't know. Uh, everyone looks, you know, around and we all think everybody is saved and everybody's born again that comes to church. And that's not necessarily the case. And so God is giving people an opportunity to come to faith in Christ. Uh, but he's also warning us that there are going to be many who are going to persecute us uh, in the last days. Now, skipping to verse 25. Jesus said this, he said, there's going to be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. And so these are going to be like the birth pangs of a woman, Jesus said, in labor, getting ready to deliver a baby. All of the indications, Jesus says, are going to come with greater frequency and greater intensity. Whether it's famines, whether it's wars, whether it's ethnic strife, whether it's pestilences, diseases, whatever it is, signs in the heavens, um, uh, earthquakes and volcanoes, everything is going to come with increasing frequency and increasing intensity, like the labor pains of a woman about to give birth to a child. And so Jesus is letting us know this is coming. There's going to be signs in the heavens. There's going to be distress among the nations. There's going to be the sea and the waves roaring. Is that what we see happening in our world? Do they say that we've never seen earthquakes or uh, hurricanes and tornadoes uh, and, and, and wind events, you know, wiped out all of our corn crop in Iowa last year? Uh, they're, they're seeing things with the weather that they've never seen before. Some people even believe that they're, they've uh, developed uh, warfare where you could weaponize the weather against your enemies' uh, uh, nations. Who knows? They certainly have been working on weaponizing the weather for a long time. And, and so uh, we see flooding. We see uh, hurricanes uh, like never before. And uh, we, we see all kinds of things happening with the weather that are just unusual. It's, it's not something that we are accustomed to. And this is what Jesus said you would expect as you are living in the last days and things are getting closer and closer to the return of Christ. He also said that people's hearts are going to fail them for fear and the expectation of what is to come. And so you would expect to see, if you're living in the last days, a tremendous irrational fear of the future. Do we see a tremendous irrational fear of the future in our world today? All you have to do is just turn on the news. All you have to do is just wake up in the morning and look at the news on your phone and see how much fear there is, how much anxiety there is, how much worry about the future that there is. And again, uh, the media is not telling us to turn to Jesus Christ for salvation. The media is not telling us to get on our knees and pray. The media is not telling us to go and, you know, read our Bibles and start to really put God first uh, in our lives. The media is just saying, just trust us. We're gonna, the governments of the world are going to take care of everything. Don't worry. We're, we're here from the government. We're here to help. Uh, no worries, you know. The government is going to save the day. Well, I don't think the government is going to save the day because in the last days, the government is going to be actually taken over by the devil himself. And that's also what Jesus tells us. We read back in Matthew and chapter 24 in verse four, Jesus is 
speaking here about the same time, his, uh, the signs of his coming, the Olivet Discourse. He says in Matthew 24 and verse 4, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ or I am the Messiah and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of sorrows or the beginning of labor pains, literally. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will arise and will deceive many. So again, you have deception is what the last days are known for. The messaging is going to be deception from false prophets, people speaking falsely uh, in the name of God. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. And so Jesus gives us a few more details of what the last days are going to look like. He says that there's going to be lawlessness. Lawlessness that's going to abound. Lawlessness, like maybe defund the police department so that you don't have any law enforcement anymore. Would that be counted as lawlessness, maybe? Do we see lawlessness taking place around us? Do we see a whole group of people that want to get rid of law enforcement in our country? That's lawlessness, guys. This is exactly what Jesus said is going to happen in the end times. We really would have to be dumb, deaf, and blind and willfully ignorant not to see that we are living in the last days. I feel sorry for people whose theology does not allow for this because I don't know what they think. Uh, the people who don't believe in the literal fulfillment of the book of Revelation or the literal return of Jesus Christ uh, because we see everything happening that Jesus predicted would be the case. Lawlessness is going to abound because the love of many will grow cold. People only have self-love. They only love themselves. They don't love other people anymore. All they think about is themselves. So it's kind of like the callousness of the heart where there's no empathy, there's no mercy, there's no compassion for others. It's all about what I want, me, myself, and I. And they're turning us against each other even with the masks or not wearing the masks or treating everybody like a leper that you have to be scared of people. You can't even recognize people because their faces are covered everywhere you go. And so it turns us into something other than humans where we're like looking at each other's faces and we're smiling at each other and we're saying good morning or hello or God bless you to someone in the store. Now we're treating everybody like we're all lepers and we have to be careful not to sneeze on me or, you know, I don't want to touch anything without making sure that you're cooed and your germs aren't on it, you know, and so we don't want to shake hands. We don't want to give hugs. We're all scared of even our own family members. People are dying all alone in nursing homes because we're scared that somehow it's going to uh, spread throughout the nursing home. And so these elderly people are dying alone in the hospitals and the nursing homes without their loved ones next to them. That's callous. That's cruel. That is so cruel 
to have people die by themselves and say that we're trying to protect everyone from COVID and so you can't see your loved one. I lost one of my widows, one of my favorite widows in Tehachapi, Betty Burgess, who we celebrated her 95th wedding anniversary December 12th last year up in Tehachapi. She's been here. She came here numerous times from Tehachapi, 95 years old, to visit our church. She died alone. Well, I, I thank God they let her son go in and her daughter-in-law to visit her in the hospital in Bakersfield. But they would not let me go and visit her. I was her pastor and I was her friend. And they would not allow me to go into the hospital at an Adventist Health Hospital, a Christian hospital in Bakersfield. Because of COVID restrictions, as a pastor, I could not go and be there to pray with her and her family as she was passing into the next world. That's cruel to do to our elderly. The callousness, the, the, the hardness of the hearts uh, of our generation. No compassion, no mercy for others, just selfishness. And Jesus predicted that all of these things uh, would be taking place. Now, when he says there's going to be many false prophets in verse 11 that will rise up, false prophets are people, let's say, like the Pope Francis. Pope Francis would be a false prophet. He's saying that God is okay with gay marriage. Show me in the scripture where God is okay with gay marriage. It doesn't exist because homosexuality, along with all sex outside of uh, heterosexual marriage, monogamous, heterosexual marriage, one man and one woman, all other sex outside of that covenant relationship is sinful in God's eyes. Uh, whether people are living together in sin, uh, whether people are looking at pornography and finding some sort of satisfaction for their lust with uh, images or whatever. All of that is forbidden by God. He says this is perversion. It's porneo. It's sex outside of marriage. So God is not uh, picking on homosexuals, but God certainly does not uh, approve of sex outside of marriage, heterosexual or homosexual or bisexual or any other sort of sexual uh, uh, activity outside of marriage. A monogamous heterosexual marriage. God says it's sin. And so for the Pope to say that God has changed his mind about gay marriage and somehow God's okay, who does the Pope think he is? He's not God. He can't change the word of God. And so he's a false prophet. And I'm calling him out now because you're going to get to see what this Pope is going to do. I know many faithful Catholic people who are not following this pope. Many Catholic cardinals and bishops are saying that this pope is a total heretic. He's a Marxist. He is a communist. He's a false prophet. Interesting that he's now pushing for the redistribution of the world's wealth. Why doesn't he just give all the wealth from the Vatican to all the poor people? What hypocrisy. The Roman Catholic Church has more gold and more money than probably any nation, sovereign nation, in the world. That's literally true uh, in, in, the Vatican, in the Vatican in Rome. I don't see the Catholic Church emptying out their coffers and giving all their gold and silver and precious jewels and all of their properties that they own, uh, elite exclusive properties all over the world. I don't see them selling their assets and giving it to the poor. So to me, um, I, I don't think he's very sincere when he's encouraging all the rest of us to be willing to give up our wealth in order to give it to uh, those who don't have anything, supposedly. And so, uh, you know, we have this uh, silence from this pope on abortion. I mean, he's supporting political candidates who are pro 
abortion, to kill babies in the womb. Since when is God okay with abortion in any circumstance or situation? He's not okay. This is the mother's womb. It's the safest place in the world for a child to be is within his or her mother's womb. How could the Pope uh, congratulate a politician in their quote-unquote win for office when this politician is for abortion all the way up to nine months? How could this be? You see, this is a false prophet. And the Bible warns us about a false prophet that's going to rise up along with the uh, Antichrist. There's going to be a religious leader, a false religious leader that is going to support the Antichrist. And they're going to basically uh, take power together, the political leader and the religious leader. One is going to be the government of the Antichrist, the beast and the government of the Antichrist. The other will be the whore of Babylon, the counterfeit church that is going to uh, support that Antichrist, that political leader. Now in Daniel chapter 11, Daniel speaks about this in some detail. It's interesting speaking about the Antichrist in the last days. Daniel has a lot to say actually about the last days and about the Antichrist. Daniel chapter 11 and verse 21. Well, let's start in verse 20. It's interesting. He says, There shall arise in his place one who imposes taxes. Daniel chapter 11 and verse 20. There shall arise in his place one who imposes taxes on the glorious kingdom but within a few days he shall be destroyed, but not in anger or in battle. And in his place shall arise a vile person, verse 21, to whom they will not give the honor of royalty, but he shall come in peaceably and seize the kingdom by intrigue. With the force of a flood, they shall be swept away from before him and be broken. And also the prince of the covenant and after the league is made with him, he shall act deceitfully, for he shall come up and become strong with a small number of people. Verse 24, he shall enter peaceably even into the richest places of the province. He shall do what his fathers have not done, nor his forefathers. He shall disperse among them the plunder, the spoil, and the riches. And he shall devise his plans against the strongholds, but only for a time. So this is speaking about the Antichrist, the one who is to come, that's going to take over the kingdoms of the world and rule over the world. It's interesting that they mention taxes here, raising taxes, and that he is going to disperse plunder, spoil, and riches. That sounds like a wealth redistribution plan to me. Do you hear any politicians talking about wealth redistribution? Taxing the poor, or taxing the rich rather, they say, to give to the poor? Why don't all the billionaires give all their money? Why doesn't Jeff Bezos give his billions? Or Mark Zuckerberg? Why do they want to take it from the middle class and say that they're going to give it to the, you know, uh, for the social justice movement? They're going to redistribute the wealth and give it to the poor people. I don't buy it. I, I, I don't believe it. I don't see them giving away their billions and billions of dollars to the poor. 
Uh, to the contrary, they're getting richer than ever uh, as a result of these lockdowns and of this change in the economy. It's the small business owners who are collapsing, and it's the mega stores that are profiting as a result of these shutdowns. But I just found it interesting that when the Antichrist comes, one of the things he's going to be known for is that he's going to redistribute the wealth of the world. He's going to plunder, uh, spoil, and riches. He's going to devise plans, but only for a time. Uh, and then he's going to stir up power, uh, verse 25, and his courage against the king of the south with a great army. The king of the south shall be stirred up to battle with a very great and mighty army, but he shall not stand, for they shall devise plans against him. Yes, those who eat of the portion of his delicacies shall destroy him. His army shall be swept away. Many shall fall down slain. Both these kings' hearts shall be bent on evil. They shall speak lies at the same table, but it shall not prosper, for the end will still be at the appointed time. While returning to his land with great riches, his heart shall be moved against the holy covenant, so he shall do damage and return to his own land. Verse 29, at the appointed time he shall return and go toward the south. But it shall not be like the former or the latter, for ships from Cyprus shall come against him. Therefore he shall be grieved and return in rage against the holy covenant and do damage. So he shall return and show regard for those who forsake the holy covenant. And forces shall be mustered by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination of desolation. Now, Jesus mentions the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Let the reader understand in Matthew 24. Jesus says the abomination of desolation is going to come right before the great tribulation period begins. And this is uh, defined for us, described for us in Revelation chapter 13, when the Antichrist requires all, the small and great, the rich and poor, to get a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. He's going to set up an image of himself in the Holy of Holies and demand that he is worshipped as God. There will be a rebuilt temple, no doubt. The Antichrist will help the Jews to rebuild their temple, which is what they want to do, they're ready to do. They just need the political leader to come on the scene to permit them to rebuild their temple. And they are going to think that this man is a good guy. They're going to think perhaps that he's even the Jewish Messiah. Remember, he's an antichrist. He's a false messiah. Uh, he's going to be empowered by Satan. And then he's going to turn on the Jews. And he is going to stop their daily sacrifices three and a half years into the seven-year tribulation period. Uh, and he's going to demand to be worshipped as God. This is the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of by Daniel the prophet. He continues in verse 32. He said, Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their, their God shall be strong and shall carry out great exploits. And those of the people who understand shall instruct many. Yet for many days they shall fall by the sword and flame and captivity and plundering. So those who are uh, wicked, he's going to corrupt, he's going to flatter them um, and, and tell them what they want to hear. Anybody that is supporting him, uh, he's going to uh, feign like, like their allies, and then he will later use people and, and, and cast them aside, even world leaders. Um, 
But it's interesting that those who are here at the time are going to have strength, uh, although there's going to be um, those who will fall by the sword and those who will be put into captivity and those who will uh, be plundered and so forth. And so we don't have to fear. We just have to know that if we're still here for some of this, we may not be here. It could happen in another hundred years and we'll all be gone. The rapture could happen tomorrow and we won't be here for this. Uh, or this will be things that some of this we will see uh, in our days. And so he continues here. He says in verse 35 or 34, And when they fall, they shall be aided with a little help, but many shall join with them by intrigue. And some of those of understanding shall fall to refine them, to purify them, and to make them white until the time of the end, because it is still for the appointed time. Then the king shall do according to his own will. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every god, shall speak blasphemies against the God of gods, and shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished. For what has been determined shall be done. Verse 37. He shall regard neither the God of his fathers, which is why many people believe he's going to be Jewish. Many people believe the Antichrist will be Jewish, but not necessarily a religious, orthodox, practicing Jew. Somebody, though, who is uh, from the Jewish nation, because again, he's going to be a false messiah, but he's not going to regard the God of his fathers, nor will his desire be for women. Some people think that the Antichrist may be a homosexual, but it doesn't necessarily say that he's going to be a homosexual. What it says is that he's not going to be someone chasing after women. That's how we know that Trump is not the Antichrist, by the way. Uh, you know, people say, well, do you think Trump's the Antichrist? No. Everyone's going to love the Antichrist, and he's not going to have a natural desire for women. We know it's not Trump. He's not the Antichrist. Um, but this individual, he's, he's, he's not going to be chasing women. He's going to be all about power and money and war. And so uh, God is giving us some insights into the character and the nature of this individual. He says, but in their place... Uh, he Let's go back to 37. He shall regard neither the God of his fathers, nor the have the desire for women, nor regard any God, for he shall exalt himself above them all. But in their place he shall honor a God of fortresses. That would be like a God of, of a war machine or, or the military. And a God which his fathers did not know, he shall honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and pleasant things. Then he shall act against the strongest fortresses with a foreign god, which he shall acknowledge and advance its glory, and he shall cause them to rule over many and divide their land for gain. And so it goes on and it gives more uh, description and detail uh, about the Antichrist when he comes. Now in 2 Peter, Peter tells us this in 2 Peter chapter 2. We read in verse 1, 2 Peter chapter 2. Verse 1. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. Verse 2. 
and many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. And so Peter is warning, there's going to be false prophets. There's going to be false teachers. There's going to be destructive heresies. And, uh, and this is what we see. This is what we see in the church all over the world. Not just the Catholic church, not just the Pope, but the Protestant churches also. Uh, we don't see very many people standing up and saying, uh, this is right, this is wrong. This is, uh, you know, sin and this is righteousness. Uh, this is wickedness and this is holiness. We don't see many people standing up and, and, and calling out the wickedness of our generation. We see a lot of people just talking about the love of God, the mercy of God, that God loves us, that God doesn't want us to suffer, that God wants you to have your best life now, you know, that if you really have a lot of faith, you'll have lots of money and, you know, uh, name it and claim it. And all of these things are lies. They're lies. You can't just say that because God loves me, I'm not going to suffer. Did God love his only begotten son? He sure did. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son uh, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And his son suffered more than anyone else. Any of us would ever suffer. So just because God loves us doesn't mean that he's going to keep us from any suffering. Sometimes suffering is exactly what we need so that we'll get our eyes off of the things of this world and put our eyes on heaven. And so uh, these are liars, these are false prophets, and they're going to lie to people, and they're going to deceive people. And I would imagine there's even people uh, who will, uh, religious people who will be telling you to take uh, the mark of the beast when this comes, when the mark of the beast comes. There'll be a whole religious system uh, that will be telling people to take the mark of the beast in Revelation chapter 13. These are false prophets. We read in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 1, this is very interesting to me, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, speaking of the tribulation period, verse 1 says of Revelation 6, Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked and behold, a white horse and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Interesting that the first horseman of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, where Jesus has taken the scroll from the hand of the Father on the throne, Revelation 4 and 5, we see the heavenly scene where the Lamb of God who had been slain comes before the Ancient of Days, there before the throne of God, and the father gives the son the scroll. The son takes the scroll, which is the title deed to planet earth, which he purchased with his own blood. He's about to take possession of that which he purchased. And he begins to break the seals one by one. And as he breaks the seals on the scroll of the title deed to planet earth, the judgments begin to fall uh, upon the earth. And this is the tribulation period. And it's interesting that the first one who comes is a counterfeit Christ. Jesus Christ is going to come back riding a white horse according to Revelation chapter 19 uh, in order to destroy and defeat the Antichrist and to take the devil and to throw him into the abusa, the uh, bottomless pit for a thousand years, to cast the uh, false prophet and the Antichrist into the lake of fire. 
Jesus will be riding a white horse, and he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. This one is a counterfeit Jesus. It's a counterfeit Christ. It's the Antichrist. He's going to come, like Jesus, riding on a white horse uh, to fool people. He's going to no doubt tell people he is Jesus Christ, this Messiah figure. Uh, and it's interesting that he has a bow, which is a weapon of war, but it doesn't say that he uses the bow or the sword in order to bring, quote-unquote, peace to the earth. He's going to have a bow, which will be military power, but he's not going to use it. And a crown is going to be given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. How is he going to conquer with a bow and a crown without using military force? Well, through propaganda, through manipulation, through lies, through deception. What I found very interesting is that the word crown, that he's going to come and a crown was given to him. Do you know what the word crown is in Latin? It's corona. <laughs> so in the old Bibles that were written in Latin, if you spoke Latin, you would read, he's going to come with the corona and he is going to conquer the earth with the corona or with the crown. Now, that could just be coincidence. I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Is the whole world being taken over by the corona? Are there political powers that are using this to seize power without having to fire a weapon, without having to use their military forces? It's pretty interesting to me. He's conquering through this idea uh, of, of, you know, of peace. And he's got... Uh, the crown, the corona, and he's got his bow, and yet uh, he's not going to initially come with war. He's going to deceive the people with a false peace. For example, we read in uh, 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5 about this one who is coming. Verse 1, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly well that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. So as a thief in the night to us, meaning Jesus could come back any time for his church. The rapture of the church is imminent. It's any moment for his coming for the church. So he says, uh, know perfectly well the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. It, it's going to happen instantaneously when it happens. For when they say peace and safety, then comes sudden destruction upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape but you brethren are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief you are sons of light and sons of the day we are not of the night nor of darkness therefore let us not sleep as others do but let us watch and be sober for those who sleep sleep at night and those who get drunk get drunk at night but let those who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing." So Paul is not telling the church to be prepared for the tribulation period. He's telling the church to be prepared for Jesus to come as a thief in the night. Jesus said, I'm going to come upon the earth at a time when you're not expecting me. Jesus asked the question, when I return to the earth, will I find any faith upon 
the earth. The uh, faithful steward was the one who was serving the Lord and looking for his master's return. Uh, in Matthew uh, chapter 24 and 25 in the Olivet Discourse, the unfaithful servant was the one who was getting drunk and partying and, and, and you know, taking advantage of people and so forth and not looking for his master's return. So we are to be those who are sober-minded. We are to be those who are awake. We're not asleep. We're not in darkness. We are to be those who are putting on faith in, in God and faith in his word, love, loving God, loving our neighbor, and as, uh, the helmet of hope, salvation knowing that we're not appointed to wrath. So we will not be here for the great tribulation period. I don't think we're going to be here for any of the tribulation period personally. I think the last seven years are for Israel and for God coming back to save the nation of Israel, that entire seven-year period. But I know that we will not be here for the great tribulation because that is the wrath of God being poured out upon a Christ-rejecting world. And we are the body of Christ. Therefore, the wrath of God does not need to be poured out a second time on the body of Christ. Jesus' body suffered and died under the wrath of God one time for all time on the cross of Calvary. We are his body. Therefore, uh, God's wrath has already been satisfied. The propitiation is complete upon his son. Jesus doesn't have to suffer again. So the wrath of God is not upon us, upon the true believers. It is upon a Christ-rejecting world that hates Jesus, does not want Jesus to rule over them, does not want the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, uh, Isaac and Jacob to tell them what to do. They'd rather follow the devil and the devil's man and the Antichrist. That is who the wrath of God will be poured out upon. But it's interesting that he says that they're going to be saying peace and safety. Everything's going to be okay, the government is going to be saying at this time. Peace and safety, just trust us, and the government is going to take care of everything. We continue reading the second horseman of the apocalypse in Revelation chapter 6. After the one comes on the white horse, the Antichrist, he has a bow, he has a corona given to him, a crown. He went out conquering and to conquer. Verse 3, when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come and see. And another horse, a fiery red horse, went out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take the peace from the earth and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. So you have this false peace brought by this false prophet with this false Christ, this false Messiah who's going to lie to the people of the world, get the people of the world to believe in him and to support him. He's going to somehow take power over the world without having to fire a shot. And then the red horse is going to come and there's going to be bloodshed all over the earth. There's going to be war. There's going to be bloodshed. And I will say, we have weapons today that we, you can't even imagine how powerful the weapons are that are in the militaries of the world today. Really, we, we, we have no idea how powerful the weaponry is that, that we possess and that other nations possess in this world. Uh, there was a, a howitzer a Gatlin machine gun that they were shooting off over Iraq at these missiles that were attacking one of the U.S. military bases in Iraq. This machine gun shot 6,000 rounds per minute, big rounds, 20 millimeter rounds, 6,000 rounds per minute. I mean, that's like 100 rounds per second. You can't imagine the power of, of, of the military prowess that, that's in the world today. And so when this war comes, uh, it's going to be tremendous death and tremendous 
bloodshed uh, like never before in human history during this time. The third seal we read in verse 5. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked and behold a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. So after he comes to power through his crown, after war comes and blood is, is let out all over the world, tremendous war, tremendous bloodshed, then there's going to be tremendous famine in the land. And again, we already see famine taking place all over the world. We already see prices beginning to rise of all of our goods and services, and that is going to continue. That's part of the plan of the World Economic Forum to indebt the nations of the world to the World Bank. Uh, through borrowing money. Borrowing money increases the money supply. You have more dollars chasing after the same number or a fewer number of goods and services as our manufacturing is shut down. Inevitably, it's basic economics, supply and demand. You're going to see prices rise. Prices are going to inflate. Your dollar is going to become worth less and less and less as inflation eats away at the currencies of the world. This is all part of their plan, actually, to get rid of our fiat sovereign dollar and get us onto a cryptocurrency, a Bitcoin, sort of an international blockchain digital currency. They first have to destroy the value of the currencies uh, around the world, specifically the U.S. dollar, because all international banking, all central banks, all oil sales are cleared through the U.S. dollar all over the world. And the European bankers are tired of America having that pull position and that monopoly with our currency uh, being the reserve currency of all the banks of the world. He continues and says, oh, it's interesting, he says, do not harm the oil and the wine. What does that mean? It means most people are going to be starving to death. It's going to take you a day's wage to buy enough food for yourself at this time. Uh, and then you could get horse food, like three quarts of barley, which is horse food, for a day's wage. People are literally going to be starving to death during this time. And yet, do not harm the oil and the wine. The rich people are going to get richer during this time. Just like we see happening right now. The rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. We read in verse 7, Then he opened the fourth seal, and I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked to behold a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was Death, and Hades followed with him, and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, and with death, and by the beasts of the earth. And so as a result of the war, as a result of the famine, and the food scarcity, and the tremendous inflation, uh, you're going to have death uh, uh, rampant on the earth. One-fourth of the earth's population will be killed. And this is just at the beginning of the Great Tribulation period. Uh, things go downhill pretty quickly from, from this point. Once the devil's man is in place and the devil solidifies power around the world and takes power, death is going to, is going to be the result. People are going to die from war, the sword, from hunger, starving to death, and with death, and by the beasts of the earth. At this time, the animals at this time are no longer going to be afraid of men. Who knows? Maybe even pets will turn against their owners during this time. That natural fear that God put in animals to fear man is going to be taken away at this time, and people are going to be killed even by uh, the beasts of the earth. One-fourth of the population right now is about two billion people uh, are going to be killed with just these first 
four uh, horsemen of the apocalypse. I have a lot more here. I'm glad that we are going to be doing this series on Thursday night. If you're interested in this subject, I encourage you to come out uh, Thursday night where we will continue this study on the Great Reset and more importantly on the second coming of Jesus Christ. Shall we pray? Lord, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that you tell us these things in advance so that as we begin to see them taking place, Lord, we will believe that your word is true. We thank you, Jesus, that you've not appointed us to wrath, but unto salvation, and that you're coming back for your church. You're coming back for a spotless, pure bride. And so, Jesus, we pray that you would robe us in the righteousness of Christ, that you would uh, feed us, Lord God, uh, your word, Lord, that we would feed upon your word every day, Father God, for our minds and for our souls and for our spirits, Lord, that, Lord, you would really do a great work in your people in these last days, Lord, that we would have understanding, that we would have insight, Lord, and that we would lead many to righteousness, Father. Bless us, Lord. May we not fear. May we trust, God, that you are in control. May we trust that you are on the throne. And Lord, may we trust that one day soon, you're going to come back and you are going to set up your kingdom and you're going to make everything right in the world because you will be ruling over this world, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Bless us, Lord. Go with us now. Watch over us and protect us, we pray, and bring us back again next time, Father. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. We all want to thank you for listening. If this message has blessed you, as we all pray that it has, send the link to this podcast to your friends. Working together, we can get Michael's teaching of the whole of God's inerrant word to all those who hunger to hear it. If you would like to see this ministry expand to reach even more of the broken and lost, if you have questions, comments, and prayer requests, Email us at coah podcast at gmail.com. We would be honored to pray for you, as we hope you are praying for us. Good day and God bless from City on a Hill Church to Hatchapi, California.